Good evening, everybody. My name is Corey Rosen, and you're listening to The Story Podcast. Today, I have on a super awesome guest, but before we get into that, if you do enjoy this episode and enjoy what I do and want to help support me in any sort of way, please be sure to like, subscribe, share this episode with all your friends. And with all that said, I have on a super awesome guest, Mr. Clifton Bryan. Clifton Bryan is originally from Central Florida. He grew up on the redneck side of town. Country music was always playing in his house. Everyone always said that he was the entertainer of the family. Clifton started playing the guitar around 19 years old when he just had gotten out of the army and was living with his uncle who taught him how to do some finger picking in his spare time. At 20 years old, Clifton was living in L.A. with six other people in a two-bedroom flat working at a local gym trying to become an actor on the big screen. Music wasn't on his radar until he came across a guitar which he bought from a pawn shop in the Los Angeles Valley in 1998 for just $100. By the end of that first week and three quarters later, Clifton Clifton wrote his <laughs> very own first song. Clifton then went on to learn how to play and sing better, taking advice from lots of talented people over the years. He went through his early 20s, learning all the songs he grew up listening to and trying to find himself as a musician. Clifton has been playing out locally for the past year and a half and professionally for almost a year now. He still can't believe that he gets to be paid to play, and not just any music, but his own original brand of country music. The support has been unimaginable. Sure. In the last year, Clifton has brought some real country music to the local scene. It all started out with an open mic one a week, and then two nights a week. It didn't take long until he was opening for Ryan Allen, Whiskey Under Rocks, Garrett Schultz, Ben Garner, Tyler Short, Ty March, Philip Good, no reply, and last but certainly not least, Allie Reason. Clifton has headlined at McCleary's, Burning Bridge, Tavern, The Floating Squirrel, Harvest, and Columbia Kettleworks, Second Gear, multiple times. He's played at the Tin Roof in Nashville over the summer, and he is currently in the studio recording his first single, Belt Buckle Billy, and will be shooting the music video at the Burning Bridge Tavern very, very soon. Currently, Clifton hosts his own open mic and karaoke night at two separate venues. Clifton, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great, man. I'm excited to. Is there really... an applause? Is there an applause button? Like, we just got needed applause for <laughs> that reading was... that bio. That was fantastic. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, for for those who are commenters on the show, reading is not a good uh, strong suit of mine. Yeah, that was awesome. <laughs> that was great. So you mentioned that you grew up in Central uh, Florida. You had country music all, all the time running. What were some of the songs, some of the artists that you grew up listening to and drew inspiration from? Oh, man. You know, it's my dad always had a country radio on. There was, it was Hank Williams in Alabama and <sighs> George Strait, George Jones. All those back in the day was, you know, I was born in the late 70s, so it was early 80s stuff. George Strait was coming out. George Jones was really big and Merle Haggard and, and Hank Jr. And Hank was still going around and. Elvis was going out because he had just died there. He, I think mm. he died the year I was born in 77, I think. But So it was a new era coming around with country music, and it just kind of grew and grew and grew. But it was always playing. Always, you know, it was, that, was, that was the music that we listened to. It was, it was, and there was some, some rock in there, you know. Right, of You know, there was some rock and roll in there, too, but uh, not, not, not so much hippie rock and roll, but some, some great rock and rolls in back in there, you know, some Zeppelins and things like that. But... Uh, Country was country was it, and I didn't really think much of it, you know, when I was a kid. It was mm. just it was just music back then, you know. So what was it that really turned it into something you're passionate about? <sighs> you know, it was uh, it was probably it was in that early '90 period, that late '80, early '90 period when Garth came out and kind of hit the scene. It changed, kind of changed the the feel of country music mm -hmm. and the sound a little bit, and 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 uh, it kind of felt a little more organic to more me raw. yeah really? a little more organic to me it was a little bit more of my style because growing up in the 80s you know everything was pop and you know you had the a keyboard guitar and all those kind of fun things you know back back in the day <clears throat> i think jack black plays on one of those yeah 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 very electronic <laughs> sousaphone saxophone things but anyways i mean I, I i think it was i think it was kind of in that that time frame i'm my mom had had some surgery and we were home a lot and uh she was getting better and I would lay in my uncle's room there and just listen to albums and, and records. I think it was Fleetwood Mac was one of them. Mm -hmm. And 
I would listen to Garth Brooks albums, and then I got got a box set of it for like Christmas one year, and played the crap out of them. And but that's where it kind of started. I think was was that I would sing all those songs, just lay there and sing, and Mom would yell at me, tell me to shut up, quit singing, quit singing. Right. Go to bed, Clifton. Go to bed, Clifton. Heard that a thousand times. So. <laughs> Why didn't you shut up? <laughs> well, well, I don't know. I mean, uh, back then my voice was a little bit higher, but it, I kind of, I got, I once I got out of school and you know, it got into my adult life. I, I kind of went to a karaoke scene area mm. there in L.A. It was Eric, karaoke's very big in L.A. and and um, when I made my way over there to the to the West Coast, I found myself doing karaoke a whole lot and really, really enjoying it and getting a kick out of it and. People were like, "Oh, we should make a CD of you doing this song or you doing that song," and and uh, I used to rock the crap out of Aerosmith. Right, <laughs> Dream On was like Dream On was like my game song. Did you hit man. the high parts? Oh yeah, oh, there you oh go. yeah, and uh, they loved it. Crowd saying, loved it. That's the only part of that song that ever matters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And uh, I mean, that was that was really where I got the bug at for music over there. Um, was getting into was getting into the karaoke scene over there and. I played a little bit of guitar before at that point, but not nothing. So you you also mentioned in the bio that you wanted to go over to be an actor. What was that reasoning? Or how did that come about? Man, like it says, I, I you know, I've always been an entertainer and and the guy, you know, jumping around on on the furniture with a towel wrapped around his neck and pretending you're Superman, you know. It's, right. Yeah, that was that was me. So I've always been an entertainer and I thought you know, I got out of the army and I didn't have any skill. <laughs> you know, I wasn't a high school dropout, but I didn't graduate with a 4.0, you know. So right. I went into the army with a buddy. We went on this uh, battle buddy journey. It was like that you could you could join as battle buddies with somebody else. So that way that meant that you went to the same basic training. You were going to most likely be in the same company area so you could have somebody there and not be so freaked well, out, right. I guess. So. We'd, we'd try that. Plus, it was a little bit more money because they got two people to join instead of one. <laughs> right, of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bigger bonus. Suckers. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they didn't teach you nothing, you know? They teach you how to beat people up and, 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 uh, and look out for bad things. But um, So and I came to, out of how there. How to wake up on time. <laughs> yeah, how to wake up on time, make your bed real tight, and uh, shave at 3 in the morning. Dry shave. But it's, uh, it's a great, it, it was a great time, but that, that kind of... I didn't really know what I wanted to do. You know, I knew I didn't want to, it was either medical or it was mm. entertainment. You know, it was, it was usually, it was one or the other. It was medical or entertainment. I was going to go one way or the other. So I kind of explored the entertainment first. And that was kind of what was really closest to me. Um, when I got out of the army there in Georgia, there, there really is nothing there. You know, I was a hunting guide, a hunting guide there for uh, probably about six or eight months with my uncle there on 6,000 acres. And there was, that's really all there was, was hunting and guiding, you know? Right. And the college in town. And um, it wasn't a big college, but I qualified for financial aid and was like, oh, I'm going to give it a whirl. And uh, some of my drill sergeant, one day, one day in, in, uh, <laughs> in basic, my drill sergeant woke us all up real early and uh, he's screaming at us, who's going to sing the... National anthem. anthem. Who's gonna sing it? Who's singing it? And uh, my buddy knew that I could sing, and he's like, "Private Brian will sing it. Private Brian will sing it." And he's like, "Go ahead, Private Brian." So I start singing the song, and I get to the end of the song, and he goes, "I'm calling you Hollywood. That's your name. You Hollywood now. You look like Michael J. Fox anyway. Yep, that's you, Hollywood." Right, right. And he walks off. So I became Hollywood from then on out, and uh, that just kind of stuck in my brain. So. Sitting there in Georgia, my my uncle's teaching me how to play guitar a little bit. He had a couple of guitars. He's a he's a great finger picker, and uh, teaching me how to play guitar. And I'm just I'm just feeling more entertainment than working out mm. in the middle of nowhere, working at the local prison. That was like those were like the, that was like the big job in the area was working at the correctional facility, you know, which was a great job, great paying job, government job, but it just wasn't. Yeah, for more, me, more power to the people that do that. Yeah, yeah, I tried. I tried. Yeah, I tried. I worked in the in the food service thing as a supervisor, and for about three or four months, it was I I couldn't go to jail every day. I just couldn't do it. <laughs> right. I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Even though I got to leave every day, I'm sorry, but I just couldn't stay there. But uh, 
so I, I figured entertainment, I thought entertainment was the way I was going to go. You know, that was just, that was just it. And I'm kind of one of those guys that, uh, once I set my mind on it, I just, there. it's there, you know, I go for it. I manifest things and I, and I just try and make them happen. You know, I go left and right and I figure out what's happening. I watch people, I learn, I apply things in my own world and, and, uh, and I just make happen what I want to happen. And, uh, so far it's, it, it seems to be working. <laughs> so you, you go out to LA, uh, you move in with these six guys you try to find something in the acting entertainment scene. What happens? You know, it. I. I. I'm down there. I meet these guys when I'm like 18, 17, 18 at this model convention. There's six Hawaiians, um, all different sizes, guys, tall and short, and and but they're really cool. And they're like, "Hey, man, what do you? You, you know, if you want to come to L.A. and give it a shot, give it a shot." And they got acting agents out there. And, that was the year that I had spent. I was out of the military, had met those guys, did that, was trying to do some acting or modeling or whatever I could get into, you know. And uh, then I went to Georgia, and uh, I had spent my time there, dude. I was ready to fly, you know. Mm-hmm. I was ready to fly. And I called the guys, and I was like, hey, what you guys up to? And they're like, oh, mahalo, man. Come on, come on over. Say what's up. Oh, aloha, whatever they say. And uh, but they were like, yeah, come on over, dude. And, and hang out and check it out, brah. And I was like, okay, brah, I'm on the way. <laughs> and uh, I, I got on a bus. I had a thousand bucks. I had made a little bit of money. I had a thousand bucks and I hopped on a Greyhound bus and went from East Coast to West Coast, man, and was there in a few days. <laughs> so I said, that must have been a pretty drive. <laughs> yeah, I was there in a few days. Got to explore the country, really kind of figure out who you are on a bus. Uh, right. <laughs> you definitely learn who you don't want to sip beside. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> And when, which vending machine you want to eat out of, that's the biggest one. But uh, I got over there, and I lived with them for a few months, and, and I was getting work and doing acting and was getting all this secondary, you know, extra-type stuff, walk-on stuff here and there, and nothing really speaking major stuff. But um, I was getting work, and they weren't getting a whole lot of work because mm. uh, I think Lethal Weapon 3 was all that was filming that fit their character. And uh, they got mad and kicked me out, so... Really? I, uh, yeah. I moved in with my buddy uh, who worked at the gym that I worked at. Um, his sister just went off to college, and his mom offered her bedroom. I was like, hey, you can come stay with us if you want, and if you paint the windowsills, you can live here for free. There you go. <laughs> I said, hey, I will take that deal. I'll learn how to paint real quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will take that deal 100 times. And um, I became great friends with him, and he played guitar, and he played lead guitar mm. uh, really well, real fast fingers, and, and – um, I was one day in between gigs and I just was walking down the street and some, some made me kind of walk into this pawn shop that was there in the Valley. And I walked in and I looked up on the wall and it had this little guitar, this little Honer um, guitar. It was for a hundred bucks. And uh, you know, my uncle had taught me something and I had never had one of my own. So I thought, well, I'm going to buy that guitar. Simple as that. Simple as that. I'm going to buy that guitar. I got a hundred bucks. I had done a couple jobs, you know, I had a hundred bucks and, uh, I bought it and I went back home and I was like, Evan, Evan, show me this, show me that, show me this, man. And he started showing me some stuff and he, he, he taught me a couple of different things. And I went back and sat down and was like, okay, I don't have nothing else to do this week. Cause I worked at the gym, you know, right, right. <laughs> of course. and uh, yeah. And I'm going to go on TV here a little while. So I don't have nothing to do. So uh let's write some music so i started playing music and just I, by the end of that week i wrote my first song and uh a song called are you single and i wrote that on my own out in the sunroom in la in the valley it was it was fun that's awesome so when did you from writing your first song uh when did you start saying oh this is something i want to do a lot and maybe actually perform man you know, a lot of life happened in between there, man. Oh, I'm sure. A lot of life happened in between there. You're talking 21 years old in L.A., acting and singing and playing and, and uh, you know, trying to make it in an acting world was, was just not going anywhere. And I came back to the East Coast and, and, and went to Atlanta, and, and I got this short record deal one time as a country artist on a label, like their first artist ever. Mm-hmm. And... um 
it just didn't work. It just wasn't working. They were really demanding, and um, I, I just wasn't much for an organ in my in my music. And they wanted to put an organ in a few of my songs. And at that point, I, I only had a few songs, you know. And I was coming out. I was just too much for me. I think at the age that I was at at that point. Um, so I kind of went a different route and explored and traveled around America back and forth, and ended up in the South again. And uh, that's where I had met my ex-wife, and and um, my daughter was born, and life happens, you know, and, and uh, I decided family time now, it, it, it deserves, you know, something of, a, of yeah. a career and attention. So I, I got a career in, in medical in medical field. I went the other route this time, you know, and I kind of evaluated things and was like, well, I can go back and go and try and do this. So went back to college in Florida and um, finished out in, here in Pennsylvania. That's how I ended up up here. We came up here. My parents had lived up here, and uh, we needed help with the kids after mm-hmm. school care. So we moved up here, and um, we uh, just basically got a radiology degree and started doing X-rays and CAT scans, and that led to other things. Um, led to eventually doing like um, cryogenic cancer therapy. I don't know if you know what that is, but I think so. It's like we isolate cancer cells and kill them, right? Uh, essentially, essentially not, but not, not isolate. We ice them with actual ice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Kind of isolate, um, ice them. Yeah. So we would stick a needle down into your kidney, wherever your mass oh. is and freeze it with a needle, um, that has a uh, gas pumping through it. That's you know, really like a cool. lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's a really, it's a really cool thing, but I ended up getting board certified in x-ray and CAT scan and ultrasound and laser treatments and, and cryogenic therapy treatments and traveled the Northeast and did that for quite a while. And then. 2020 hit, man, and uh, mm-hmm. that's, that's the that's the point of every musician's story so far. Yeah, I mean, it's it hit. It wasn't a bad thing for me. I mean, it was that really helped me get back to exploring to who I was. I mean, before 2020, 2017 hit, and I got divorced, and mm. um, that that uh, that whole part came to an end there, and I really was still exploring myself. I think you know, all through my marriage and all through raising kids and everything, I think I was still trying to trying to really decide what it is that I wanted to do. You know, I was kind of in the, in the, in the wings waiting, right. you know, for my kids to grow up and move out, you know, so that I could go back and finish what I'd out. started, you know? <clears throat> and, um, it was a couple of years later. Uh, I, I was just, I was just sitting at my cousin's house one time and, and, uh, I heard God say, Hey man, what are you doing? And I was like, I don't know. I really don't know, you know? And uh, he's like, hey, uh, I gave you some talents. I think you should have a little faith and, and take a leap of faith and, and, and trust in me and, and believe in yourself, man, and, and see what's up. And I was like, okay. So I, I, and I listened, and I just listened. And, uh, and I started exploring what talents I did have. I, I, I learned that I'm a very good painter. Hmm. Um, and I started, I started first as an artist, uh, painting and uh, started a little business called Rattled Up Creations and doing spray paint arts and and different things and then that led to acrylic painting and I got really good at that and now I have paintings all over the country that people have bought there's one in England and international and wow. there's all kinds of different things that happened with that that and I was like oh wow that's really cool and then that the winter hit and uh, it was like oh well it's kind of a slow s- season what other talents did you give me you know and I've been playing for twenty five years at this point, you know, I, I could pick a mean guitar, you know, so mm-hmm. I was like, oh, let's check that out again and see what's up with that, and I just kind of, and it just kind of fell right into place, man, I just started playing a lot, and uh, I had a great guitar, but I bought another one, and uh, started playing a lot, and my buddy, he wanted to play, he always wanted to play, and so I showed him how to start playing, and then he went to school and learned how to play a little bit more, learned a little mu- music theory, and now he plays and, and, and gets his own gigs and stuff. But he and I were both like, why don't we just go out and play? Like, right. You know, and I was like, well, what, I, you know, what do we do, open mic or something? So we started doing an open mic, and, um, and that's how it all came back around to me, uh, you know, after, after those those long years of life that, that were in between there and kids um, and divorce and 2020, uh, I ended up, I ended up listening to God this time and, uh, and, 
and letting him just walk me where he wants me to go. Um, I stopped fighting, and uh, it's really made a big difference. Um, so I just, I just listened. I just listened. I opened up my ears, and he said, hey, man, go on and go over here and do this, because I don't think you was really supposed to do all of this over here. was really, you made all that happen, dummy. Right, yeah. Come over here. Come back over here. That was all you. Yeah, that was all you. So come back over here. So I, that's what I did, man. And, and it really, it's really, uh, I'm really thankful that I did. I, I, I'm really thankful that I, that I took that leap uh, and, and believed in myself and trusted in him and just let him, let him take me where I need to go. Because I'm sitting here, my first ever podcast, semi-radio, live. Right. You know, whatever, however you, however you listen to your podcast, ladies and gentlemen, however you stream. First time ever, you know, at 45 years old. And, and, and it's just a, a flip of a switch. And it's crazy. And uh, you mentioned you being 45. This can happen at any age. Yeah. People think that, oh, if it doesn't happen in my 20s, it's never going to happen, never. Yeah. It's not true. I, we had a, a, one, a film producer, Bradley Hawkins. He started his dream at 60. Mm-hmm. And he's doing wonders well. Yeah. You can start life. At any age, you can do you you. I am a firm believer that you can do whatever you put your mind to do. Absolutely. If you want to go out and be a pet groomer, you better make some flyers and go be the best doggone pet groomer you can be. If that's what you want, there's no doubt in my mind that you can manifest it and make it happen. So the American uh, dream, in that sense, is still very much alive. Yeah, I, I just I'm just a firm believer in that because I that's what I do. Right. You know, I I, I want something. I make it happen. That's and, what and, any artist does. Yeah. Any anybody who owns a business literally just said, you know, what? I'm just gonna do it and figure it out. That's how I started this. I'm just, I'm right. gonna do it and figure right. it out. Figure it out later. But you're you're right, man. You could be any age. You know, it to me <laughs> to me I'm I, you know I'm a little older generation than you. But to me, I always thought when I learned, you know, I always think I was in my early 20s when I learned that Rodney Dangerfield didn't get his start until he was 51. Oh, Nobody wow. knew who he was. And that made me think, well, okay, so I got some life got some to do. Yeah. <laughs> I can do some life and, uh, you know, come back to this if, you know, need be and see where we're at. You know? Right. So it, it's true. And, 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 and I, thought, I thought this last year, and uh, I love the woman that I'm with. You're, you're fantastic, baby. Thank you for taking care of me and supporting me through this journey. Um, but this last year, man, I just really just focused on the music and focused on networking and meeting people and, and pushing it and getting it out there. And, and uh, I, Jim Carrey said one time, man, I heard him say a quote that said, uh, if you're not willing to give up and sacrifice what you need to sacrifice to get you where you want to be for a year, you don't really want to be there. Right. You know, and, and I just, I've sacrificed a lot, and, and uh, I'm just thankful for the people that are sticking with me and stuck through with this, all, through this with me, man, because it's, it's a it's a journey. It's a hard knock road. It's not it's not an easy life, and it's uh, but it sure is a heck of a lot of fun. And there's no other feeling like it. And 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 you can start it at any time. You can you can start it when you're 10 years old and put it down, and come back to it a little bit later when you're a little more mature and relook at it. And when you've learned how to study, you've learned how to do things a little bit better and 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 regroup. You and you're a thousand times in a better place. So. Before we continue, I just want to let the audience know that if you have any questions for Clifton, you can feel free to comment them, and we'll get a, we'll get around to them at uh, some point. <laughs> but, um, for you, right now, you so you came to Central PA, you go out to these open mics, you start reengaging with music more. What is your songwriting process like as you have aged over? Have you done life for a long time now? Yeah. And what was it like at a 20-year-old versus today? That's a good question because I wrote a song. I wrote a few songs in my earlier years and didn't write songs for 25 years. Right. And then came back and wrote, and wrote new songs and took some older songs and revamped them into my new, new style and my, my newer brand of music, how I play. So that's a great question. Um, you know, I, I, noticed, I noticed that... I'm always going to be a 90s country fan. <laughs> there's no there's no way around it. I can't I can't not be it's in my blood. Uh, to be fair, 90s country is the best it, it, kind of country. I I'm not going to argue with you. 
I, I'm Besides just the kind of cash, but I, I'm just but, saying, you know, there are there are greats, of course, like the cash. But I'm just I'm just a '90s I'm just a '90s country guy. So, and I think a lot of that plays into my brand of my, of music. Uh, you know, it's it's very country, and and you can definitely you know that that it's going to be country when you hear the first lick. First lick, yep. <clears throat> I just so you're talking about like your Tim McGraws, your yeah, your Tim McGraws, man. <laughs> yeah, your your Tim McGraws, even even still Alabama at that point, but right, like. Yeah. Um, Man, I can't even. Your 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 Tim McGraws, your Alan Jacksons, your yeah, Travis Tritts, your Randy Travis, um, your Garth, of course. You, you've got uh, Carrie Underwood around at that time too. Or no, she's a two thousands chick. Okay. Yeah, you know, there's there's I, I there's a few that. there's a few that are that are, that come out in the later late late nineties early two thousands, like Underwood and Aldine and them that came mm-hmm. out that. Mm-hmm. That will always be classic, right? You know, they will always be classic. They're 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 unmatchable in their talents. Um, you know, Aldine thought he was going to break radio, and and you know nobody's going to like his type of country. And I kind of feel the same. You know, it's you never know who's going to like what, what you play. Yeah. You know, or what kind of you know country it is that you should play. It's hard. It's hard picking set lists for things, but you do what you can. But yeah, I I think I'll always be a '90s country fan, and that's. That's always influenced my writing. So I, from from writing as seventeen year old, my influence there wasn't very. I didn't have any. I didn't have any influence on songwriting because I didn't know nothing about it. You didn't have any backbone. I didn't have any backbone in me to really know. You know the difference between hard times and and, and good times. There was no like, country in your songwriting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. There's no country in my in my country. Back right. in those days, it was just it was just a it was just a background influence, you know, as a kid, as a young kid. And then when I got into playing the guitar and playing acoustic, um, you know, there's a lot of rock songs that you can play, but you can't really play them that well on an acoustic guitar. No, and they don't sound the same. And 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 I kind of it took me a couple of years to kind of find my niche on the guitar and what I like to do and what I enjoy to do. I have short, stubby fingers, so I don't have the the, the hand of a lead guitarist. Um, Maybe if I turn this way, because this this hand's faster than this hand. But uh, so I I I learned that I'm a, a finger picker mm-hmm. and uh, a chicken picker, and I can. It took me I don't know twenty years to master the finger picking um, with my lower three and, and my thumb, and that was taught by my uncle 20, 30 right. years ago, right? It, but it took me even longer. It took me, it feels like it takes, it's taken me even longer and I still don't feel like I'm that good with a pick. Um, but either way, you know, it's, it's all, it's all in what you learn and what you had. And, and, and now having all this life experience and all this stuff that's happened over the years, gives me a huge variety of things to talk about. Yeah. And, you know, I can hear other things in other people's conversations and, and, and just go that really, that'd be a good song title. Like, that's a good line. Like, I'm going to take that. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's a good line. I could, that could, I could really write a song just by the emotion that that one line made me feel, you know, and, and on all the nostalgia that it brings back. Um, and I try now, I try now to not sound like anybody else. Mm. I don't want to sound like anybody else. I am Clifton Bryan country, right? Yeah. So that's what I want to sound like. Um, I want you, you know, when you click on the CBC channel that you, you know, you're going to get Clifton Bryan country and it's going to be a nostalgic feel with songs that, you know, have to tell a story that tells a story about life or tells a story about a friend or tells a story about a girl, you know, but it tells a story that, that, that gets you in. So you want to know what, well, how's it end, you know? So I, I think, I think the maturity is level is... Yeah, now there's country in my country. Yeah, now there's country in your country. Now <laughs> you were Clifton Bryan when you started. Now you're Clifton Bryan country. <laughs> yeah, somebody said that. Somebody said the other day when I come, I was like, "Hey, how y'all doing? I'm Clifton Bryan, Clifton Bryan country." And somebody says, "Is that your last name now?" <laughs> somebody in the crowd that has heard me before, they're like, "Is that your last name now?" Because that's all you say is Clifton Bryan country. I'm like, "Well, I don't, I don't have a banner with my name on it, so I got to keep saying it, so you know who I am." Right. <laughs> Speaking of of the tunes and the stories we have, one of your Newer tunes, let's go fishing. Oh yeah. Tell okay. me about that one. 
Um, you know, I was sitting in the basement one day just picking around and I had dropped my guitar down into drop D tuning and, and was goofing off and, and just started playing this little rip. And, uh, it made me, it made me bob my head, you know, it made me think, Oh, what, what is this? It made me maybe kind of jam a little bit. And I was like, Oh, what am I feeling on this? And then I thought about, you know what, let's go fishing. I I don't have a fishing song. So I started, I started writing this. And the other day I, I wrote a second verse and another little chorus to it. So, uh, It'll be it'll be finished. I'll have a whole song here shortly before too long. And with that said, this is a little demo version oh. of Let's Go Fishing. Let's Go Fishing. Woke up around 4 a.m. And all my buddy Tim Hey man, what you doing? I woke up on the wrong side of bed Called my buddy Fred Said, hey man, what you doing? Let's go fishing They both laughed at me That's alright Cause I don't give a damn about nothing but the time Fishing for sunrise. We're going something new, y'all. Let me know what you think down there in them comments. <laughs> That's your let's go fishing, man. Yeah. Let's go fishing. I don't know about y'all, but I was snapping and clapping in here in the booth. Yeah. Man. That's a. I was definitely hearing out all the other harmonies in the bass and the and the because you don't usually play just by yourself, do you? No, I don't usually play by myself. No, I do have a, a, a some guys that play with me. I have a drummer and a lead guitarist who's a fantastic uh, Andy Hart and uh, my drummer Steve Wargo. Uh, Steve was actually the drummer for LCBC Church for like twenty oh, wow. years. Uh, the the Mannheim uh, complex over there. Um, he's been a drummer forever and played with a lot of people and. He's uh, introduced me to the circuit this that, that I'm in now, and uh, it's a great place to be. And Andy Hartz, he's, he's another, a killer guitarist. He's uh, um, he plays with Bobby Law on the Late Show. Um, oh yeah, yeah. He's he uh, he's just a killer. I don't even know what to say about the guy. The guy's so much better than he than you think you are, dude. You're so much better than you think you are. Just saying that on live air because you are awesome, and uh, I'm so glad to have him on board. He's he's made some original licks to my music that just hook just hooks you right just just makes the song like mwah, you know what i mean it's just just makes the song perfect and uh, i'm working with a guy eric he's getting stuff recorded um that belt buckle billy song i think is going to be a winner man i don't know i've got a couple of them that people want me to put out and um that was the first one that that, that people were wanting me to put out so that's what we went with and i can't wait for you guys to hear the lead guitar on this it just melts your face off it's got a little Jimi hendrix and van halen in the end of it all mixed together it's just fan freaking tastic it's unbelievable um but yeah i don't i don't play by myself i mean that's how you start you know you got to start somewhere okay. you got to stay start by yourself and play out acoustic until you meet people unless you're lucky enough to have friends that play music and, and want to be in a band that's kind of hard to find and <laughs> yeah a lot of solo artists now rent rent other artists out when they come to town you know they, that's not their guitarist back home it's just who they rented when they got here and uh i do that too i've, I've played with other people who have called me and said hey man i just need you to play guitar can you come and play my music and, right sure i can do that too um but uh yeah i have a a band going i have a couple another guy mike martin he's another lead guitarist guy um another sick guy that sounds totally different than andy but still has great fingers you know and uh, the two of them together and, and us, we all sound fantastic. And I don't have a really solid bass player, but I'm trying to get one. I've got some people that really, really like to play bass with me, and but that seems to be a hard one to find. And a fiddle player, if there's any fiddle players out there or, or steel guitar players out there, y'all hit me up. So what is it like to compose and write together as a unit as opposed to separately versus you on your own? Well, at this point now... I haven't I haven't written a song with these guys that I play with. Like mm. we haven't been in a studio or, or been in a rehearsal and written a song together. I have 
since I have like 22, 23, 22, 23 songs or something like that and working on others as we speak and building, you know, building my albums over the next few years, you know, hopefully, hopefully they're all good enough to go on albums and, and that kind of thing. But I have, so now that I have this bucket of songs. So I kind of brought to the table, hey, guys, I have these songs. What do you think of them? And they were like, oh, I like that one. Maybe we should maybe we should put these on and maybe hold off on that one until we work on that one better. You know what I mean? Like and mm -hmm. getting those opinions. So it's it's been really nice uh, trying to figure out what it is that we want to go and record next or what we want to play next. And when I come to them with a set list, I kind of make it to where it's loaded with my original material and some covers up front. And then at the back end, once everybody's had all their liquor. <laughs> and I sound so much better, right? Right, of course. <laughs> and once we get to the back end of the concert, then I play a lot more covers and a little less originals because you're not really paying attention to originals at that point. Right. You just want to hear Margaritaville. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just kind of I kind of play at that. But with these guys, I haven't actually sat down and we haven't actually sat and had a time to to play because uh, Andy lives in, in Maryland and Steve's in Harrisburg and I'm in Wrightsville and so Mike's in Lancaster. So we're just kind of all over the place. But we do get together and jam. So I kind of brought to the table these songs and they, they just made them better, you know? And they said, well, these are the ones we should record. So, and, and introduced me to some people in their circuit like Tyler Short and Garrett Schultz and Ben Garner and, other, and some of these other people that have uh, <clears throat> been doing this for quite a while, you know, and, and, and they're taking me under their wing and kind of helping me meet people and get, in, get into doors that I could probably never have gotten into any other way, you know? That's awesome, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is amazing. It really is amazing. But to answer the question, no, I don't just play by myself. I do have a band, and we rock and roll. We we can jam. That's like when I got in, I said, you know, it's so odd hearing things. Because I just played last night at McCleary's, mm. and it's so odd to hear the raw cuts. It's just me and an acoustic guitar versus me and the band, you know. It's just, it's it's awesome. Different, yeah. Yeah, it's different. It just reminds me where, it reminds me how it all starts. It's, this is how... It all starts. These songs that he's going to play for you, the mind that, I, that I'm writing or that I've written. This is how it all starts, raw and real. And actually, I'm going to play another song called Keeping It Country because it's, it's going to lead, I'm pretty sure it's going to lead into a topic that oh. I really want to get into for sure. So yeah. tell me about Keeping It Country. Keeping It Country. Um, I had this idea. I woke up with Keeping It Country in my, in my brain. Just woke up with the, those three words, keep, Keeping It Country. And uh, I thought that's a song right there. So I came downstairs to the studio, and I have this uh, Papa Smurf T-shirt that says Call Me Big Papa on it <laughs> that I seem to always wear when I write songs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there's, the, there's like two shirts that I wear, and that's one of them. And, and I think I may be wearing this shirt. Uh, when, I'm writing, when I wrote this song, I was wearing this shirt. I don't know if I'm in this video, but I, I, I was wearing the song when I wrote, I mean, wearing the shirt when I wrote that song. <laughs> and uh, it, I was just thinking about, you know, what, what, what is doing, what is keeping a country, you know, what, this, that's, I, I wanted to, I wanted to put some life and I'm one, I want to put some life into this song. Mm. So that's, that's kind of where it came out of. So this is keeping a country by Clifton Bryant. Not so long ago. When you walk through my door I couldn't let you go I wanted you more and more You're the woman of my dreams And in your world's where I want to be just loving this life, living that dream, keeping it country, keeping it country. There it is, keeping it country. Mm -hmm. So this kind of brings it into a topic that I like to talk to a lot of artists in the relevant field. Where do you think that country's going? Where, what, what do you think about where it's going? And yeah. what do you want to bring back? Hmm. Let's see. Uh, what do I think about where the country's going? I think the country's going uh, in its own in its own way, man. I there there's uh, I think there's too many chiefs and 
Not enough Indians. I don't know. I mean, it's it's weird. The country's in a weird state right now. Honestly, for sure, it's in a weird state right now. And and but uh, I mean the genre, the genre of the country, genre of country music. Yeah. In the oh, the genre of country music, yeah, yeah, not yeah, the yeah. country. No, no, oh. no, yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's a pretty, that's a pretty, that's a pretty broad question, question yeah. bro. But I'll answer it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, where do I think the country? I think the country music is turning. It's I think it's turning around, man. Mm. I really do. I, you know, I I think some of these new artists that are coming out, like Cody Johnson and 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 uh, uh, Warren Ziders and and Cody Jinks and and guys like that, and, and Clifton Bryan and, and and Garrett Schultz, and and we're kind of coming back. Tyler Short are coming back on that country feel, you know, and. and the pop is the, the pop is still there in the beat, you know. But the pop country, I think, is 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 kind of taking a turn. It's it's going to always have its popularity. Don't get me wrong. Right. There's always going to be the crowd, the young crowd that loves that pop country. And I think as that younger crowd ages, they turn to the old country. to the old school, and they and they, they kind of turn to come back around. And I think that's kind of where we're we're kind of in this transition. And I and I kind of feel really lucky to be in in the country music world right now because I'm bringing something totally different to the table with my brand of music. So I, I really, I really feel like, you know, I'm playing real country music and I kind of feel like that's really coming back. At least that's, those are the guys that I listen to, you know what I mean? Like that I, that I, that I listen to those Riley greens and, and guys that have more of a, a storytelling ability in their mm -hmm. songs, you know, that's not trying to shove 15 words in a bar down, you know, down my throat, every bar, you know, and just to get something out. And then it makes a song pointless. It's hard to follow, you know? So it's, I think, I think the country music as a whole is, is coming back around and, and feeling a little bit more real like country. You know, the last two country music awards that I watched, uh, the CMAs and the, um, oh, what was the other one? Not the Josie's. No, uh. no, it was just, it was the CMAs. They were both country music awards. Oh, okay. But uh, both of them felt like a real country music award show again. It didn't feel so, it didn't just feel so political and so, uh, you know, just all uptight. I mean, they really felt like they were having a good time and they were, they were singing country songs, you know. Country. Yeah, they were, you know, memorializing Loretta Lynn and, and you know, the greats and Alan Jackson got his Lifetime Achievement Award, which he should have got that Two years, years ago. ago yeah. Years ago. <laughs> So it's, I think the, the country is, is coming around and I'm just really, really, really happy and really proud to be part of, part of it and really happy to find myself, uh, part of that, part of that, you know, to find myself that that's where I am. You know what I mean? Like that's who I am. That's where I am. That's where I want to be. Right. Here's an interesting question. I don't know if you might have an answer to this, but I wonder what your thoughts on, on why do you think it's straight away country straight, straight away from being country? Uh, generation. That's fair. Yeah, I think it's just generation. I think it's just generation. I think we had a we had a country music had a had a ten year, fifteen year, fifteen year period there. Ten year period, fifteen. I'd say fifteen years from two thousand. You know, the year two thousand, we all thought the computers were going to crash. Yeah, yeah. We were going to die. Everything was you know, the chicken little thought the sky was falling. Right when uh -huh. two thousand was coming, so didn't know what was going to happen. So I think. That 1999, that last party like it was 1999 was really the last party like it was 1999 for a minute, you know, and and people kind of flipped the switch and uh, this younger generation hit the scene. It was no longer the Pepsi generation, you know, it was mm -hmm. this new Mountain Dew generation and and it and it just changed the whole scene of, of country music and, and younger artists started hitting out, you know, uh, young people like Taylor Swift and things and yeah. the Carrie Underwoods and the Kelly Clarkson's that were coming out at 17 years old that had these voices like Whitney Houston try, you know, I had, you know, and I'm like, it was unbelievable. So I think, and I think that kind of changed the face at the moment because they were pop kids. Mm. It was generation, you know, it was not a bad thing. It was just generation. It just happens. Yeah. yeah. And now that generation is in their late twenties, early, late twenties, early thirties, maybe, you know, and they're, they're like, Oh, who is this Cody Jinx guy? Who is this Cody Johnson guy? Who is this Clifton Bryan guy? Who is this? Who are these people? You know what I mean? Like, who are these older generation? Yeah, who are these old people? And what? Why is that fiddle making my hips move? You know right, what I mean? Yeah. Why do I want a two step to this song? What is the difference? What is the What is the deal? I can dirty dance to this song and two step to it. Whoa! Right. Wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. You know? Right. So, 
I think that's kind of what happened. I think it was just a generation change. And I think what's happening now is that that generation is getting older. And this new one that came up is, is kind of coming into the older generation as it's phasing itself out. You right. Know? So this new generation that's coming in will have a more real country feel for the next 10, 15 years until they get old. And that kind of generation pops up again. And it's, it's a cycle of older musicians versus younger musicians. Right. That's all you it know? is. Yeah. Yeah. You look at Luke Bryan, you look at Luke Combs, they're in their 30s. Yeah. Wow. They are. Yeah. They're not 17. Yeah. So their style of music is different than what, it, when, what theirs would have been. That's my answer. Well, that's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so we have another one of your songs uh, titled Angel. Titled Angel? Titled Angel. Oh, oh um, Angel in Disguise. Angel in Disguise. There it is. Yeah. 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 Well, tell me what about this one? This is a love. This is your good classic love song I'm working on here, an angel in disguise. And it's really about the person you, the person you love. I mean, it, for me, it's a, you know, long brown hair and crystal blue eyes. For you, it could be green eyes and red hair. It doesn't matter what, what it is. It's just a, it's just a good love song. And, and um, I mean every word of it. That said, this is Angel in Disguise by Clifton Bryant. Long dark hair and crystal blue eyes Makes everybody stare when she walks by But that's my kind of woman The kind you don't find At a fancy department store Check out line She's a little bit country Little rock and roll And I'd follow her wherever she goes not into drinking or getting out of control, but when I do, she lets me know that there's a long way to heaven, a long way to hell, and I'd better listen if I want to climb those stairs, yeah, that's my kind of woman, with long dark hair, crystal blue eyes, that's my angel in disguise. My angel in disguise. My angel in disguise. <laughs> Little uh, Monday morning. All right. So, <laughs> so um, you decided to be an independent artist as as opposed to be a corporate artist. Why not go to Nashville? Well, like I said, man, you know, not going to Nashville, it's not that I'm not going to go to Nashville. I don't have, I just, my sound is my sound. And I kind of feel like if I go to Nashville, it won't be my sound anymore. Mm. And uh, I, I used to know um, Jennifer Nettles um, from Sugarland, and not know really? her, know her, but uh, I, I, that's cool. Long time ago. And um, they were coming up and they, their sound was so cool and it was so, twangy and her voice is so twangy isn't it anyways but their original sound when it was just the three of them it was it was it was amazing man it was amazing i still have their original cd that she gave me and they all signed on there that that, that but it, it doesn't sound anything like when they got cmt'd is what i call it mm. <laughs> uh you know they completely changed their sound and uh i decided to be a solo individual artist instead of a corporate artist because of that. I, I wanted my sound to be my sound. I don't want nobody to, to take that away from me. I don't want to, I'm not giving that up. You know, Clifton Bryan country is, is what it is. And, and you either, you either tap your feet or you don't. And it's cool if you don't, you know, and not every song's a number one. Right. It, 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 but it, it, if you don't like it, you don't like it. Change the station. But say. I, I, I just wanted my music to be mine. And um, I learned a lot from, listening to Prince of all people 
Um, the man knew what he was talking about, and uh, your other musicians should listen to that man. Say, and uh, some of the most popular songs that you know were probably written by Prince, even though they were performed absolutely, by other yeah. absolutely. But he was a very, very wise businessman when it comes to record labels and things and such. And and uh, I just kind of, I've just always been leery of that, and just been leery of, of somebody's taking my sound and and uh, and changing it. You know, um, I, I am I am who I am. I sound what I sound like, and and. Uh, when I, when I brought my music to the table for the first time to these guys that I play with, Andy and Steve, it, it was a very challenging moment, and and because uh, you know I, I don't know what they what they're gonna do, what they're gonna say, if they're gonna pick along, and then all of a sudden they just blossomed the music, and I thought, wow, okay, so I, I'm at least writing stuff that other people can play, you know. And and good test actually. Yeah, and and I thought if they if they can make it sound that good, or if they can come up with their own organic lead, or come up with their own organic drums on that, and make it sound that good, man, I can only imagine, you know, where we'll be, we will be down the road. Mm -hmm. But I just and they didn't try to. They're not. They don't want to. They're not taking my sound away. You know what I mean? They're like they to it. they created. They're creating it. Yeah. Because it's only been me and the acoustic. It's, so. With other people involved, now we're actually creating what I sound like and what these songs sound like and watching them transform from these acoustic raw versions that we're playing today into the songs that we're going to cut is absolutely an, uh, an incredible process, man. And, and, I didn't go, and I didn't go corporate, and I, and I never will go corporate, I don't think, man. I, I, if I sell on Spotify or stream all, the, all day long or whatever and, and, and make money that way, that's perfectly fine with me. I don't need a record label pushing stuff down my throat or pushing me in opposite directions that I don't want my sound to go, you know? Oh, absolutely. So this way I have control over my sound. That's all. It's, it's nothing personal labels, but y'all ain't getting my sound. No, it's, you're <laughs> absolutely right. Because labels will take your sound and do awful things with it. Yeah. They'll take, yeah. I can't even use my own name if I sign some contracts, yeah. you know? So I, that's just the way that it goes. I am Clifton Bryan Country and I sound like I sound and, and uh, like I'm, an in, I'm an individual artist. That's it. That's it. Yeah. So, where can people find you? Where do you have any gigs coming? Or yeah, I've got uh, quite a few things coming up. Um, the rest of this year, um, most uh, most Wednesdays, you can catch me out doing open mic nights at either the Burning Bridge Tavern or over at McCleary's or both. Um, in in uh, what days are those? What times? That's Wednesday night. Burning Bridge starts at six. I usually go there and warm up with a few songs and say hi and. Then I'll go over to McCleary's. It starts at 7.30 and runs till uh, 10.30, I think. Same um, day? Same night, yeah. Oh, wow. And they have a they get a pretty good big list of players over there, so you got to get there early to get on the list. But, I mean, McCleary's does, at least. I know that. Yeah, McCleary's definitely does. and um, It's a big thing. But uh, I usually do that on Wednesday nights. Um, some Mondays I'll go out and play at TELUS. I think that's where I met you that was at TELUS. Yep. And... Uh, I was doing Sundays at Stoner Grill, but it's not doing it anymore. Um, I actually host an open mic night every other Sunday at the Floating Squirrel. Starts at eight o'clock, goes till um, ten. It goes to eleven. Sunday. Yeah, the That's Sunday nice. night. Yeah, it's a Sunday night. A lot of musicians are really liking that because they can, you know, there used to be a daytime thing, and now it's a nighttime thing, so they can actually feel like they're playing music and having right. a drink, and when they should be, and not you know at ten o'clock in the morning or. Two o'clock in the afternoon. When no one has a voice. Yeah, nobody's good. We're still Everyone's waking up from sore. Saturday nights playing. Yeah, right. <laughs> so people, the musicians are really liking that, and they're coming out. We, we're putting on some really great shows at the Floating Squirrel. It amazes me the the, the musicians, that, the talent that comes out of the woodwork on a Sunday over there. So the next one of those is uh, the next, not this coming Sunday, but the following, which is what the eighteenth, um, something like that. Something like that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, that's be the next one before the end of the year and then the next one will be next year but uh but other than that i'm playing actually got some great concerts coming up this this end of this month man big big stuff um i'll be playing the burning bridge on december 29th thursday december 29th from six to eight solo acoustic show uh, might have a couple special guests in there we'll see what i can pull off but otherwise we're going to put on a really kick-ass acoustic show that's uh that's a place that i started at and was playing at the burning bridge um doing open mics and then it just kind of went on from there, and then I ended up getting to booking gigs there uh, after playing there for a little while, and they, they learned to love me. <laughs> They've come to love me, so they, 
they they've they've got me there in there a few times. But I'm playing there on the 29th, Thursday the 29th, December 29th, six to eight, and then on Friday the 30th of December I am playing at McCleary's with full band at McCleary's. Uh, we are playing from nine to eleven thirty. It is my New Year's pre-bash. New Year's Eve pre-bash show, so come on out for that. It's going to be awesome. we got the live band going. We're going to be rocking that whole place. Uh, it gets packed pretty easy because it's not that large of a venue, so make your reservations now if you want a table. Otherwise, you can dance like everybody else. Right, yeah. <laughs> um, and then the big uh, the big show is uh, uh, actually New Year's Eve. This kind of just came about, man. I had a, had a great uh, Thanksgiving Eve show with Garrett Schultz and American Wild and Ben Garner that uh, was so great that he invited me to come and play again at his New Year's Eve show. So I'm um, playing um, the Double Barrel Roadhouse, which is a, a newer venue over in Red Lion on, uh, over, um, on uh, what is it, the uh, Cape Horn Road right. over there in Red, Red Lion. Uh, but it's a really beautiful venue, hardwood floors. I got whiskey barrels as tables. It's bring That's your own. Cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Really cool venue. Hardwood walls, everything. It's it's, it's really beautiful. Big stage, big uh, line dancing floor, and uh, it's bring your own beer. It's gonna be an all out party. Um, I'm playing there on the 31st New Year's Eve show. Garrett Schultz countdown country countdown show. Um, it's me, American Wild, and Garrett Schultz, and some surprises. And uh, I think there's a raffle. There's like a 50 50. The guy gives away gift cards sometimes. I mean, we just have a great time. Garrett, when you go to a Garrett show, you're going to have a whole lot of fun. And uh, when you come to my show, you're going to have a whole lot of fun. So now you're going to come to my show. You're going to come to American Wild show. You're going to come to a Garrett show. And you're going to have a whole, 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 whole lot of fun. All on New Year's Eve as well. <laughs> That's all on New Year's Eve. A whole bunch of fun. A whole bunch of fun. We're going to drop a boot. We're going to have a boot drop at <laughs> midnight. So if you, if you don't come out, you're missing out. That's all I can tell you. Absolutely. So the 29th, the 30th, and the 31st, man. Burning Bridge on the 29th, McCleary's on the 30th, and the big New Year's Eve bash on the 31st. Make sure you find... Double Barrel Roadhouse. And you can find all that information on your website as well, cliftonbryancountry.com, is it? Absolutely, yeah. cliftonbryancountry.com will take you to all of my social media information and, and uh, phone numbers, and y'all can get a hold of me. We can book some gigs, and or y'all can find out where I'm going to be at, and we'll see you there. And before we head off, I've got a few general questions that I'd like to ask. And anybody in the audience that has any other questions, be sure to drop them now and I'll ask them. So first off, what are some of the funniest or worst things that ever happened to you on a gig? <laughs> um, well, fun, well, the funniest, funniest and, and worst. I mean, they're all, they're, you know. They're one in the same sometimes. It's some, sometimes one in the same, you know. I, I was playing, uh. I was playing a gig and I had, I was like, I only had like four songs to play and I was on my last song and I had just started the song and I, I broke a G string. <laughs> 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 so that, when I said it, the crowd just roared. Lord, yeah. yeah, they roared because I broke a G string. I broke my G string. I broke my G string, y'all. <laughs> and they just lost it. Lost it. <laughs> so that was, that was, that was it. And then, so, that's a song right there. Yeah, that was a song right there. So we had to finish. Oh, oh, sorry. It was the next to the last song, actually, of that set. And I broke that G-string. And then, so luckily, somebody, I had another guitar on backup. And somebody handed me the guitar. And I'm, I start to play the, my last song. And I'm playing away, strumming, having a good time. I think I was playing Folsom Prison, I think is what I was playing. Mm. And I kind of rock that out. I don't play it really slow. I kind of, I country fried the crap out of it. So I kind of rock it out. And, uh. I'm playing and I get about halfway through it and I don't hear me no more. And I, and my hand is still moving and I don't hear it. And I look down and all I'm holding is a piece of what used to be a pick in my hand. The pick split in half and flew somewhere. Where. Yeah, it's gone. And so I couldn't, I, there, there was nothing. So I, once I figured that out, I dropped that little piece that was in my hand and, and used my fingers for the rest of the song. But you know, it sounds totally different when you use your fingers versus a pick, but that was that was probably the worst. It was like it was the worst and the funniest all in one in one occasion. You know, I, I broke a G string and then the pick broke on the last song and the, it made it sound different. But it all worked out in the end. I got you know everybody applauded and it was all good and I walked off stage. But that's that's been it really so far. I haven't had no really crazy stuff happen yet. I haven't toured on the road yet, so we'll see what happens see when what that happens. we get out there. 
What's one of the best pieces of advice anyone has ever given you? Man. Um, <sighs> there's a lot. There's a lot of pe people who have told me a lot of things in my life. And uh, I think, <laughs> I think the, the one, the only, the one that sticks out the most is my daddy saying, don't quit, son. Yeah, that's don't quit. If that's one piece of advice to stick to, it's got to be that one. Yeah, it's just don't quit. You know, just keep going. Don't quit. You're not a quitter. Don't quit. That goes out to anybody out here as well. Don't quit. It's gonna take a while for things to get going. Yeah, yeah. Every time, listen. I'll tell y'all. I'll tell y'all. I ain't afraid. Every time I feel defeated, which is very frequently. I feel defeated when I got $9 in my bank account and I need $20 in gas that week. I feel defeated when I, I, I've spent too much time playing music and not enough time with my babes. I feel defeated when I, I, I get off stage and I don't feel like I gave a good performance. I feel defeated when I don't have gigs coming up on the weekend. But every time I feel defeated, I give it to God. And I don't feel defeated anymore. And somehow, some way, Something always happens. It's one of the biggest pieces of advice that I've ever been given was to cast your burdens on the cross. That's it. That's it. That's the and that is the hardest thing to it do, is my friend. The hardest thing is to let go of your own bull and to just throw it up there and say it, it's not yeah. not for me to deal with. No. It is the hardest thing to do. The absolute hardest thing to do. Uh but it's in a reward. In doing that is so rewarding and not and not in just you don't get what you ask for you know it's it's not always answered but the relief of the pressure the stress the anxiety the everything else when i say god it's yours i'm giving it to you god i ain't gonna worry about it no more i'm gonna let you just put what in my path what needs to be the next day i might get two phone calls that says hey i need you to play this gig or hey i got the flu can you come and play this gig or hey right what are you doing what are you doing on Thursday? I need to blow these leaves off my yard, man. I'll pay you. Come over. You know what I mean? This is what I've been doing for a living for the last year. So any anything that I could get my hands on, else, you know, playing music and keeping myself in this world is what I did and what I've been doing. So every time. So then this leads us to our last question. What is worship to you? What is worship to me? What is worship? Hmm. You know, worship to me is... <clears throat> Worship to me is, is, is whatever, you, whatever you feel in your daily, daily life, in your daily path, in your daily interactions, whatever you feel. There's a song that's out that says everybody talks to God. Mm. And uh, it, it's, it's an Aaron Lewis song. It's a fantastic song. And there's so much truth into that. Because you can be as mad as you want to be and be as straight as you want to be and curse his name all you want. But when that steak hits your plate, when that power bill gets, power bill gets paid, when you get new shoes, I guarantee in the back of your mind you're going, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Worship to me is just that. Being thankful for what it is that's in front of you and what's around you. And idolizing the only thing that needs to be idolized. That's God. For a long time, I thought it was money. Mm. I thought it was love. I thought it was raising kids. I thought it was this. I thought it was that. It's not. Not. So, you can easily worship alone. You can worship in congregation you can worship with thousands of people but i think the real worship is in your private talks with yourself when only he's listening whether you know you're talking to him or not that's where your worship is well with that said this has been clifton brian country please be sure to check out all of his stuff at clifton dot com. At all those links will be in the description. 
please be sure to check that out. This is The Story Podcast. I am Corey Rosen. You can check us out anywhere you like on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify. Just search up The Story Corey Rosen. And we also have a website coming out very, very soon. Corey Rosen Productions. That's C-O-R-Y-R-O-S-E-N productions.com where you can find out more about me and what I do. And if you want to tune in for some other guests we have, this Saturday we have a guy called Lucid Ruby coming on 2 p.m. This Sunday we also have John Garcia, uh, part of the Hopeless Romantics around here. And then next Thursday we have Juan Rosado, who is a part, is known as Spoken Music. He's part of a Dem Collective. He's got a lot of stuff going on within the, the hip-hop community around here, spoken word community around here. And then that Friday we have Stephen Courtney, who is a gigantic, Organic name within the children's music. He's got five songs on Sesame Street. Oh, wow. That sounds like a song in itself. <laughs> it does. <laughs> <laughs> so be stay tuned for that. And with all that said, I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of the day. And we'll see you guys later. Bye.